Hello and welcome back to Season 6 of the Everyday Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Green. Always, don't forget, this is a podcast where we remind ourselves that God deserves every praise from every creature every day. We're continuing our study of First John. We're looking at First John chapter 3, verses 1 through 10 of our part 1 of, of this chapter. And uh, we're going to begin in verses 1 and 2, talking about children of God. Don't you find it interesting that John keeps referring to his audience in this epistle as uh, little children? Do you think that he's being demeaning when he says this? No, he's definitely not being demeaning. I'm sure that part of it is that John, uh, being elderly when he most likely wrote First John, was probably writing to a largely younger audience. And I'm sure that he probably thought of himself as kind of a father figure to many of them. I think, though, that the bigger deal that John is trying to emphasize is that these Christians, as well as he himself, are the children of God. And so don't let that escape you as you read through the book of 1 John. Little children, children of God, and he's going to use that terminology, the children of God here in these verses. And we need to remember that special relationship that we have with our Father in heaven. So verse number one, John writes, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Notice that John says that as an evidence of God's love for us is the fact that he calls us his children. We don't need to underestimate the fact that God loves his children. For those of us who are fathers and mothers, I think it helps us understand this and hopefully visualize the love that God has for us when we think about the love that we have for our children. What about those of us who are someone else's child? Well, that would be all of us, right? And we think about the love that our parents have for us And hopefully that helps us understand a little bit better the love that God has for us. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, John 3, verse 16. How much did he love his son? Well, I'm sure that the amount of love that God had for his son is infinite. And yet he also loved us so much that he gave up his son on the cross on our behalf. Now, after John talks about us being the children of God, he says, therefore, the world does not know us. Uh, We are not of this world. So why would the world not know us? Well, because it did not know him. It should not shock us when the world doesn't like us, when the world doesn't want to associate with us, when the world wants to persecute us. So the fact that we stand out and are separate apart from the people of this world, the fact that we are to shine as lights in the world to those around us, the fact that we are supposed to be a peculiar people, zealous of good works, uh, peculiar, strange, different, all of these facts beg the question, why is it that so many Christians want to be just like the world? See, we're supposed to be different. Than the world around us. We are supposed to present our bodies a living sacrifice daily for Christ, Romans 12, 1 and 2, and be transformed by the renewing of our mind in Christ. And uh, we've got a podcast on that, uh, the Transform Podcast with Caleb Rutherford, giving him a shout out. But we need to make sure that 
we truly are transforming our our lives. We are truly renewing our minds and making sure that we don't want to be like this world that that quite frankly doesn't like us at all uh, because of who we are, who we stand, what we stand for, uh, and the fact that we worship God. Verse number two says, "Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed that." Uh, what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And what a wonderful thought that is looking forward to uh, what will be for all of us if we remain faithful to God. Now, verses 3 through 10, and this is the last section we'll cover this week. This is evidence for the children of God uh, versus the children of the devil. So verse number 3 says, and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself, just as he, just as Christ, is pure. So what does John mean by this, purifies himself? Well, we are to purify ourselves with the purity of life that we're supposed to live as Christians. And so this has to do with Christian growth, becoming more and more like Christ and less and less like the world as we grow. And I like what Guyane Woods says uh, in his commentary on First John uh, in this section, he talks about how uh, this section is not talking about sinless perfection. Uh, after all, that's impossible. And we understand that. And John himself earlier in the book has talked about how we do sin from time to time and we have to be willing to admit that we sin from time to time. So what does Brother Guy and Wood say about this? He says, uh, this passage, instead of teaching us that it is possible to live above sin, uh, I would I would add as commentary of his commentary the idea of sinless per- perfection. Uh, it actually teaches the opposite of this by indicating the means by which we overcome the effect of sin in our lives. By striving for the purity which the Lord possesses, we reach for the goal which will be finally realized when He appears. That's from page two fifty nine of Brother Guy and Woods's commentary on First John. 1 Peter 2, verse 21, Jesus Christ suffered for us. He left for us an example that we should follow in his steps. So again, Jesus was perfect, and we need to do our absolute best to follow in his perfect steps. Verse number 4 here in 1 John chapter 3 says, Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. So a very good, concise definition of sin is found in this verse. And a good definition of a sinful person, sin is lawlessness. Sin is living in rebellion to the law of God. The person who commits sin, who uh, has a continuous action or lifestyle of sin, commits lawlessness because sin is lawlessness. So I have a question. Somebody says, I thought that we were not under law but under grace. Well, Paul tells us that in Romans, doesn't he? Does he not? Well, we need to kind of clear that up because there are a lot of false teachers who take Paul's teaching about not under law but under grace, and they say, "Well, we're not under any law whatsoever." That is false as false can be. That is misquoting Paul. That's uh, misapplying what he meant because. Uh, Paul was not saying that our sins don't matter, that we can live as if there's no law. That would be utter chaos. Uh, What Paul was referring to in Romans chapter 6, by the way, in the same chapter, he says that we are not to continue in sin, that grace may abound. He says, God forbid. So what Paul meant by the fact that we're no, no longer under law but 
under grace is that we're not under the law of sin and death. See 2 Corinthians chapter 3, also written by Paul. But we're under the law of grace, otherwise known as the perfect law of liberty. See the book of James. And so we are under a law. We're under the law of Christ, uh, as other passages teach. And uh, if we continue living in willful, unrepentant sin, uh, lawlessness, then we're going to be in trouble on the day of judgment. Verse number five, and you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. So Christ was manifested. He was clearly seen. He was made evident to take away our sins. That's what he came to do. He came to seek and save the lost. He did that on his cross. His blood was shed on our behalf so that in him we can have forgiveness. We can have justification, redemption. Uh, He is our propitiation. All these wonderful words that describe what we have and, and what Christ did for us and what we have in Christ. Galatians 3 verses 26 and 27 says, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Again, uh, Galatians there says we're the sons of God. We're the children of God, just as John has been saying in this book. Verse number six, whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor Known him. Now, again, uh, this can't mean that we never sin at all because John has already stated in the book of 1 John that Christians do sin and that we have to be willing to admit our sins. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So he must be referring to uh, a lifestyle of lawlessness that is sin, which John just got through talking about. And so we are not to uh, live in sin. When we do sin occasionally, we Repent. We confess those sins to God. And uh, also take note of the term abide uh, in verse number six. Again, he says, whoever sins has neither uh, seen him nor known him. Uh, Go back up to the first part. Whoever abides in him does not sin. So we have to abide in Christ. That means that we have to settle down and remain in Christ. Let's turn to uh, John chapter 15. John chapter 15, and we want to look at verses 4 through 6. John chapter 15, verses 4 through 6. This is an important concept regarding abiding. Jesus says, Abide in me, and I in you. Again, if we abide in Christ, then Christ will abide in us. We'll, We'll have fellowship with God. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. So that is a very important teaching. It is crucial. We have to abide in Christ. We have to bear fruit. And if we're not bearing fruit, if we're bearing uh, bad fruit, then that shows that we're not truly Christians. Kind of going back to what we talked about last week, if we're not truly Christians, what would we be? We would be anti-Christ, wouldn't we? Now, verses 7 and 8 provide a very clear contrast for us here back in chapter 3 of 1 John. 
It says, uh, little children, let no one deceive you. Again, we talked about that last week and the deception of the Antichrist and also in the book of Galatians and Jude, etc. So let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. But verse 8 says, he who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. So again, there's a very clear contrast here. Fruit does not lie. If a person is truly abiding in Christ, then you will be able to tell by looking at his fruit, by looking at his his actions, the things that he's doing in his life. But if a person is of the devil, well, you'll also be able to tell that by looking at his fruit, uh, looking at his actions as well. Verse number nine, it says, whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. If you look at this in the Greek, it's the idea of does not keep on or does not continue sinning. Again, this is not saying that a Christian never sins, as we have already pointed out multiple times. It's saying a Christian doesn't keep on living in unrepentant sin. What does a faithful Christian do when he sins? He realizes it. Hopefully he knows the word well enough to discern good from evil and realize, "Uh uh-oh, I just sinned. And so what does he do? He repents, he confesses it back to God, and God will forgive him. The reason that a faithful Christian will do this uh, and does not live in a lifestyle of sin is because God's seed remains in him. And that's... uh, the Word of God. See Luke chapter 8, verse 11. I'm also reminded of Psalm 119.11, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. Finally, verse number 10. This says, uh, In this the children of God are the children, or, and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. This is the same concept of what we read in verses 7 and 8, contrasting the child of God versus the child of Satan. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. And that brings us to an extremely important topic in and of itself, and that's going to be what we talk about next as we keep going through uh, 1 John. So Lord willing, we will pick up 1 John chapter 3, uh, the second part, Next week, and then we'll continue on in in subsequent weeks through the book of 1 John. Thank you for tuning in to the Everyday Christian Podcast. We hope that you'll tune in next week. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on the Scattered Abroad Network. We are grateful for your continued support as well as your continued prayers. If you would like to find out more about our network, please visit our website at scatteredabroad.org. We look forward to studying with you again soon. May God bless you.